Nolan Gorman is going to succeed or or be okay or not succeed in Major League Baseball because of his bat. And the bat is going to be why he's in the majors. There is probably something to be said for getting him up here to let him be a tag team component with a guy like Albert Pujols. Interesting. We're seeing out on the field during batting practice, helping guys, you know, with their swings and talking them through situations. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball brought to you by Closet by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould. Joined this week, reunited once again. Well, it's been a while, huh? Since Florida. We, we didn't, did we do one in Florida? I think so. Maybe. I think we. I think not, because spring training got kind of carried away. The schedule got all messed up. I don't think we did. Maybe we just talked about doing one in Florida. Maybe we did one before Florida. Maybe, maybe. Florida and- was good. Florida <laughs> was good. That's the voice of St. Louis Post-Dispatch Sports columnist Ben Fredrickson. He is also the co-host of every other podcast and video here available at stltoday.com and STL Pinch Hits and also almost every radio station in town. Nope. Just one. Okay. KTRS. Yeah, KTRS. But I hear, like, you quoted and <laughs> I hear your voice on, like, every radio station in town. Well, I text in to every other radio station to promote my own work. That's a smart move. Yes, yeah, a savvy move. Yeah. Yeah. Branding Fredrickson. <laughs> Overexposed. No, no, it's good. It's it's good to catch up. The, the Cardinals, we are recording this just for full disclosure. Uh, right before the Cardinals play their twice rescheduled game against Kansas City. Rain got it pushed from the series in April and Rain has moved it up three hours. So when you're listening to this, you'll know the result of Zach Grinky versus Steven Matz. We do not yet. However, I wanted to talk to you coming out of the Arizona series. They split with the Diamondbacks. Not exactly the outcome you want against that team. The, the Diamondbacks had just won a series against the Dodgers, then split against the Cardinals. Uh, you know, they had some good pitching, but it's always that line like, which was it? Was it the Diamondbacks pitching or was it the Cardinals' offense? And given the past few years, the default here, right, is to go out well, the Cardinals' offense because we've just seen these trends before. Yeah, I don't think you. There's much good to find in a split split four game series at home against these Diamondbacks. Now, we knew it could be a tricky series because of how well they were pitching, but you looked at the numbers coming in, and that's a that's a series you want to win at home. And I, I think the offense is we're seeing what we've seen. They can they can jump at a pitcher and they can ignite and then they can fizzle and just look flat sometimes in the same game mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, to me it is it is the offense it was the story more about the offense it's a story of how how they can find their power but also how are they going to continue to on days where the the ball's not flying and they're not hitting home runs, how can they create? How can they scratch and claw? To use a, a reference to to our old friend Mike Schilt, and to me, I I kind of see, and I'm, I'd be curious if you agree with this. I see this offense at times look like the one that we saw pre 17 game winning streak last mm-hmm. season, where it just kind of felt like it was everybody up up there trying to do their own thing. And then I see flashes of what it looked like when they went on their run, where it was more of a team kind of pass the baton offense. And sometimes we even see them do that in the same game. I thought their their 
the game that they secured the split in against Arizona was like they started the same way, and then all of a sudden, you know, they they caught, and it and then it looked it looked like the the good offense. Mm. So, I am getting tired though of of hearing. The Cardinals say, okay, well, we face some really good pitching, and then the list goes on and on and on, and includes some big names, obviously, you know, guys like Scherzer, Sandy Alcantara, and then it gets to names that you're like, uh, come on, you know, that that guy doesn't belong on that list. Mm-hmm. That's a guy that you guys need to hit. And to their credit, Ali Marmol has said some of that. I mean, Chris Bassett was a guy. He's like, you know, he was good, but we can't get right. shut out by that's that guy. Fair. So I think the offense is under examination for sure. The power side of things and. It's not just the ball. I know we people have talked a lot about the baseball, but you know they're going to have to hit home runs in order to be the offense they want to be, and also find ways to win games where they don't. And and we're, we've seen some goods and we've seen some bads, but we're seeing a lot of uh, we're seeing just a lot of kind of softer contact. We're seeing a lot of guys pressing, um, some key guys pressing. Paul DeYoung, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, and if those three guys are searching, then this lineup is not what it's supposed to be. Can can we say it's the ballpark when no. when Arizona comes in and Nick Ahmed hits two home runs or the middle infield from Arizona hits two home runs in one inning, which is twice as many as the Cardinals outfield had for the season at that point in time? Can, can we say it's the ballpark? No. No, you can't. Unless I don't think it works where Arizona like brought their own baseballs. We're like we want to be pitched these balls from before the deadening of the ball. We'd like to <laughs> we'd like to make sure you throw us these ones with the green sticker on them. No, that is the power down across the league. Yes, are the baseballs under examination? And at least the league is kind of being more candid about that. They did take some take some uh, titleist out of them. Yes. Um, but but our other when another that's a great line when another team, just like kudos or that's a good they oh, took I some told that from somebody told that to New York Post one of the coaches anonymous oh. coach said they're not they're not hitting Titleist you know, Pro V ones anymore which most people can hit those really far I can't I hit it backwards when I try but uh, um, I'm a terrible golfer but all you can have a con a conversation about it and, and use the context of the fact that lots of teams are going man that ball's not traveling but when the Diamondbacks come in and you know, hit multiple homers in the same game and hit it out all series, and it goes okay. Well, you know, then that kind of takes that excuse away. So it's a, somewhere in between. But I like some of the numbers. They're not striking out. You know, their other metrics are their average. They're they're getting on base. They're high. They're not. They're not. You know, they don't have bad numbers. But then you look at some of the more advanced stuff. Hard contact, um, expected. You know, exit velocities. The exit velocities they are producing. They're not good. Mm-hmm. And those are the numbers, Derek, that have been used to justify this approach the whole time. Yeah. I mean, when the Cardinals were not hitting in the past, they would point to those numbers. And you, and they could make a case. Like, we get it. The production's not there. But look at where it should be coming from. Mm-hmm. And now those same numbers that they used to point to, they're not stacking up in their favor. No. And that's not a good sign to me. No. They, I mean, the one thing about that strikes me about this offense, and I tried to write about it in Sunday's paper, and I hope I came up with a good description of it, that it's just kind of bureaucratic. It just takes a lot of things to happen for them to generate runs. I mean, you look at how they got through. They got 15 singles in that one game, and they were celebrated for their base running. Right, but look at took all of that to put together rallies. The other day, they got a single, then a hit batsman, a walk. No, it was a single, a walk, 
and an air, and that's how they produced a single run. You know, or, or actually, that one was two runs. The other one previously, they had station to station, where it was a hit batter, a stolen base, then tag up to get to third, and then they had two outs, and they needed they almost got a run in with an infield single. That that's just not a way to to be efficient offensively you know at some point in time you you have to almost have an offense that is capable of binging runs where a crooked number comes from one swing or a game turns from one swing and it's what arizona did on saturday with back-to-back solar home runs and then it's what the cardinals did on sunday in the seventh inning with home runs from bader and arenado and that's just the modern game they they can it's 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 a good showing that they can win games when they only get singles that they can conjure a run out of nothing because of their ability to run the bases or because of their opportunism but that's just no way to consistently be an offense you just can't contend if you need so many things to go right it's you know it's like a rube goldberg machine at that point in time and the probabilities stack up and all of a sudden you know you're you're relying too much on too many things to go right to produce a single run well a couple thoughts on that i agree 100 percent. if you look at their slugging as a time of recording this they're slugging 356 Mm -hmm. which is 11th in the national league and look at the teams that are below them and you don't want to be any of those teams yeah now there are some teams that are we think are going to be good the Padres are not crushing it. Um, the Brewers are not crushing it. So, well, they may not, and they may not. But look at the teams below the Cardinals, and you're like, oh no, there's you do not a no list. Do you want to be <laughs> a no list? Do you want to be on those teams? So that's something you know. The, the power is is not on, and and it's clearly you saw how two home runs can can change a game. The other thing too, their starting pitching has stabilized some. After the kind of the scary first starts by Michaelis and Matt, but they're not consistently getting enough from their starters to not hit homers. Mm. Like great point. Seven and eight, the starters. Who cares about win loss? Three fifty two ERA. That's twelfth in baseball, eighth in the National League. That's not. They're not getting dominant enough starting pitching to go win a bunch of games two one anymore. Um, and maybe that rounds into form, um, but we haven't seen that yet consistently enough to say this is a rotation that if you scratch a run, you should win. Um, that's not how this group has been. So you need some more, you need some more wiggle room there, and that the best way to get that is, is through some power. And they should have power. I mean, the, the lineup is built to provide it. Why it isn't? Well, there's certain guys in it who are really searching. But as a whole, I, I think some of it too is there are times when they all look. It looks like an individual approach mm. to offense. It looks like every guy going up there trying to do as much as he personally can. And I think they need to get back more consistently to what they were when they made that run where they talked about yeah have your approach but adjust it as a bat goes at bat goes along have your approach but also know when there's a guy in scoring position that that you can do something to to move him up or move him in and i think they need to trend back that way sooner i think we've seen some good signs of it and they're talking about it and it's good that they're talking about it now Mm -hmm. as opposed to waiting late much later in the season but they need to flip flip that switch to get back to the way that they were kind of baton passing in the second half of last year. So that's really to me the the offense is is probably the biggest the biggest question right now. Um I, I like the bullpen. I, I think it's flexible. I think it's dynamic. How could you not be impressed with Ryan Helsley? Um there's some there's some talent there. I, I think that the offense is the big one and then inside that one, you know, the nesting doll inside the offense is probably what's going on at shortstop mm-hmm. and and what do they do there it 
just sounds to me like they just want to buy time. They, they, they want more time. They, they don't want to rush a big, big decision. And they put themselves in a spot where that's a big decision because it says a lot of things when you make that move there. You bet a key pillar of this offseason was betting on Paul DeYoung, and he is not proving it right so far. A key pillar of this offseason was trusting young guys to produce for this team, and there's a guy doing just that at Memphis who's Mm -hmm. begging to be called up. Tommy Edmond is now a star at second base, and the Cardinals have created a a spot where – Either Paul DeYoung's going to get to get hot and make them look really smart really soon, or they're going to have to early on in the season admit they were wrong about something, and they don't like doing that. Mm-hmm. And right now, it just feels like they're waiting to see which way that they're going to have to go on that. We're going to get to the Gorman question, the guy who you appropriately well, like one unnamed, almost kind of like you know the 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 the. What is he knocking? He's he's supposed to kick it down though. Ah! <laughs> Let me in! It's not enough to knock loudly. You got to kick it down, right? Don't kick doors. Good way to break your foot. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, do you wait? Do you speak from experience? No. <laughs> Throw a good shoulder into it. Okay. We'll get the job done. We'll get to that. I, I want, but I do want to ask you about timing. Like last year, they went through. You know, they went through the series, the road trip that went Atlanta, Detroit, and kind of had had enough, and then had their, you know, their their meeting about the direction the offense was going in. They had their argument, they had their, the, you know, their the the debates. Um, things got uh, heated. Um, there was uh, it was spicy at times, depending on who you ask. But regardless, they came out of it probably better as a coaching staff, certainly better as a team and as a philosophy and then as an offense but that took till right around you know closer to mid-season what kind of time do you give this i mean you know the mets today they dfa'd robinson cano now part of that was because rosters had to be trimmed from 28 to 26 but their patience with his production was exactly a month and that deadline gave them a reason to then move on for the cardinals What's the timetable? How much time can you give it? Is is a month enough to know about things? Is is a all just for the offense in general? But he's a part of that. Well, I mean, I, apparently Jeff Albert gets infinity time. I mean, he has been he's given more been given more time than any certainly anybody else around here has who has had a uh, non stellar performance so far. So that's what I mean. Is like you start to question that or start to change that, then it's like, why did you make a change so soon after being so adamant Mm -hmm. that this guy was your guy for years to make a change so soon into a season? Um, With DeYoung, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, they went to DeYoung over the holidays and said... Right before Thanksgiving, yeah. said, hey, man, we're not shopping for shortstops, which if DeYoung comes out and and bashes this year, that looks brilliant. And if he he can't hold his job, it looks really short-sighted because there were a lot of shortstops available and a lot of deals to be had, a lot of things that could have been done to improve that position, and they basically were out on it before it even started, Mm -hmm. which that's the negative negative side of that commitment is if it doesn't work, then you didn't even really engage in the process of seeing if you could find a better solution. Let's let's pause there quickly because they – Still, maybe don't have that excuse because there was a DH coming. So they, you know, and and everybody in baseball knew that a DH was going to be the result of the lockout. Now, did they know that it was going to come in time to have a full season? Possibly not. But did but they throughout baseball, everyone had 
come to the understanding that both the union and the owners wanted a DH and that that was going to be part of the CBA whenever the game restarted. So now if you want to make a choice and say, well, we didn't want to make a commitment there in November because we didn't know if the season was going to start in May or April or July, fine, okay. But for them to say, no, we, we didn't engage in the shortstop realm because we have a shortstop, that's fine, but you also had the availability of another place to put a hitter. So you could have engaged in the shortstop market and said, we'll find another place for these. You know, Trevor Story, last I checked, is playing second base, right? Yep. I mean, some of these guys move position. Marcus Semien is not playing shortstop. You know, so you tell me that they couldn't also have explored those options. They just didn't want to go into that free agent market. And, the, you know, part of it was a commitment to Paul DeYoung, but part of it was they just didn't want to wade into those bidding wars, even though they could have rationalized it like we're committed to Paul, but we also have this other opportunity to not, you know, bow out of a once-in-a-generation group of talented players at a premium position while we have access to another spot in the lineup for a hitter. Well, and then they didn't go – add a rock star DH. Now they added Albert Pujols, who here is a rock star DH, but mm-hmm. in the scheme of baseball was a guy who, right. who had been processed basically. Now he's doing his job. Now they keep trying to make him do other jobs and that doesn't go so well. If Albert Pujols is hitting against you know left-handed pitching, he's doing very well. And there are some times where you want to put him in there against a righty. I get it. Now, it seems like when they push that it doesn't work, and when they put him at first base and say he can play first base still, that doesn't work as well mm-hmm. either. So I think they need to be more true to that role. But part of what's allowing that to bleed over is the fact that you're getting not the lack of production from Corey Dickerson, but not exactly DH type production. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's done some good things for this lineup, but it hasn't been in terms of hitting the ball for power. He just got his first extra base hit. So, I mean, probably the last time we did this podcast, you and I were talking about, okay, I can understand potentially betting on Paul DeYoung at shortstop, but then you probably need to add some certainty, some some umph at DH to take the pressure off of that. Hmm. And it said they did none. They yeah. didn't either. And here they are, one month into the season, and what are we talking about? They can't turn their power on. It's kind of hard to, to ignore those two things. Um, and again, maybe it's too quick in the season to start pointing to those two things as exact results, but the longer that continues and if this is an offense that can't have power, that mm-hmm. lacks power compared to the National League average, it's going to be hard to ignore the fact that they did not address power upgrade potential significantly at those spots. Yeah. Um, you know, or or weren't more progressive in trying to in trying to add it. And then I think at this point, if this continues then you have to, I don't know what else there is to say about the guy calling the shots for the hitting instruction. And I'm not a blame the hitting coach kind of guy, but it's been a while now, and you've basically taken out everyone from the picture who rubbed the up opposite way. Any against the grain guy with the hitting instruction has been taken out for someone who is in. So if if this is again a full season with no obstructions, and you've addressed the communication issues, then the process either works or doesn't at this point mm. and the offense either produces or doesn't i don't know what else what else there, I mean, unless you're going to ch- change in the players rapidly and drastically then then i don't know i mean that's kind of where i'm at with DeYoung. i hope he bounces back i like the guy a lot how could you not he's accountable he know he's frustrated as heck he 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 wants to be so good and he helps his team at shortstop but 
it doesn't seem like something's it seems like we're now watching the guy we saw last season a lot and at spring training it was it was a different guy yeah i and think I, I don't know what what happened so you know at some point it's either can can someone unlock him here or does he have to go somewhere else to get unlocked? i don't know but at some point it's there's a growing body of work that goes okay something's not igniting this offense like it should mm. and it's not it's not simply where they play when teams come in and do things to them that they can't do to other teams here. Uh, Young had a had a strong game Sunday in the finale against the Diamondbacks. You know, he scored two runs, but you know, obviously that's not the way to measure it. But just his at bats were different. You make a great point about how there were times during the season that he did not look like the guy he was in spring. I think you could say that to multiple guys or about multiple yeah, guys. Sure. There, you know, spring training, it sure seemed like. And they felt that internally, like this is you're seeing the the right direction going. Um, did they get thrown off by the pitchers they drew in the early part of the season? You know, Pablo Lopez is probably going to win Pitcher of the Month award for the Marlins. You know, in, in addition to that, they also, like you said, saw, saw Sandy. Um, they had to deal with Woodruff. Um, that Scherzer guy is tough. Yeah, Scherzer. You know, but you got to beat those guys, as Marmol will often say. You got to beat those guys, and they also had chances to win those games. They they did have a mistake that cost them one of them by not covering first base. But you know, they they found ways to win. They just don't have they don't have the lineup that strikes fear in the opponent. They have a lineup that the opponent goes, well, we might be in this game regardless of who's pitching. That has to change. Is one eighth of the way into the season enough to judge it? Well, you know, past seasons suggest not. It's enough to judge it one eighth with one eighth certainty. Okay. <laughs> well, but you know what though? But but, but about- they don't have the benefit of waiting for eight eighths because then the season is over, and then they go, "Well, we have a full year of, and it didn't work, and we're not in the play." I mean, so you do have to make some of these judgments at a time, and that's that's the tough part about it, which brings us to the biggest early decision that they face on Sunday morning before the Cardinals started. They, as a team, had fourteen home runs. Nolan Gorman had alone 11. He's definitely hit one since since you've published this. Since we stopped recording this and published it, he has definitely hit one. And it's a Monday, and they don't play Mondays. <laughs> so f- figure that out, listeners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he led all of minor league baseball with 11, um, tied for the lead. Um, was, obviously had the most home runs in the organization. Um, and in, in addition to that, had a 16-game hitting streak, had a slugging percentage of 4,012. Is that possible? <laughs> an OPS. Um, an OPS that was, you know what, seven it, figures. I tried to look it up on my computer, broke. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't enough desk. There weren't enough, th- uh, yeah, digits on the phone. Yeah, yeah. It, that's that's the best way to put that. Probably his his OPS was a phone number. <laughs> so what do they, what do they do? What's your view of this? Well, I mean, do you do you are you in the camp of bring him up now? See what happens. I'd love to see him. I, I don't think they're going to do it yet. Um, do you understand that why or are you yeah because they don't want to admit they were wrong i mean then that's they hate admitting they were wrong about something and and you can't bring them up without you can't bring them up and if you bring them up with the way tommy edmund's hitting then it's it's not a tommy edmund conversation it's a it's a paul de young one and that's they're not they they don't want to have that one yet mm. so it's really working against gorman if it was a if it was a vacant spot if it was a if it was a player that the front office had not staked its, 
you know part of its offseason plan on, then that's what's working against him as much as anything. I think. Well, that, I'm confused though. Like they they come into spring training and they say that we've cleared this avenue for these young guys to win the job at DH. We want you know Juan Yepes to be the right-handed option. We want to give a long look at Nolan Gorman as breaking camp with us on opening day as a possible left-handed. They've spent so much time saying this avenue is open for them now because we have this extra spot in the lineup. We don't want to block them. And here we are on May 2nd and they've blocked them. So what changed from St. Patrick's Day to May Day? Well, a couple things. One, they realized they could get Albert and make a bunch of money on this on this reliable contract. And he's to his credit, he's producing in that role. So it's working out for, for all involved. Um, I mean, that in the purpose of the business sense and what he can bring to a team, I, I understood that. Um, with with the, the Dickerson one was a little more interesting. And I don't think there's the commitment to seeing Dickerson succeed like there is Albert. I think I think the Cardinals would be okay at some point saying, okay, you know, we're gonna, we got to let this kid play. They don't seem to be, to me, on the same page as what Gorman's role looks like here because you hear some, some you know, sometimes they say, well, he needs to, he'll need to play every day upon arrival. And then it's kind of like, well, no, maybe they're a little more open to him playing every day as the left-handed hitting DH upon arrival, which mm-hmm. that's different. And he's still going to play a lot, but does he need to play in the infield every day or every mm-hmm. what? What that's what the, I don't think they have an exact answer on. It seems, and tell me if I'm wrong. How often he needs to play in the infield every day, and how often he needs to play in the infield in the majors? There seems to be some gray area there, because if he doesn't, need, if they don't think he needs to play at all, then it's much easier to bring him up. But if they if they want him to play consistently, then you're talking about where does Tommy Edmond play? when Gorman plays and you've written about this this week they see a big defensive advantage in having Edmund at second because of the things they can do the way they can move him around they're going to have to come up with ways if Gorman plays second and Edmund goes to shortstop A they've got to address the DeYoung situation what do they do with DeYoung and they're going to have to you know they're going to have to walk back some of the confidence they poured into him in the offseason. That's the PR side of it. Mm-hmm. Second of all, it's the baseball side of it. What do they scheme? What do they do to let Edmund try to help out Gorman at second? You know, Could you see more shifting? Could you see more more ways they kind of try to turn that into one position mm-hmm. as opposed to having it be two? And I, I don't know. that I'm sure they're probably down the road and thinking about some of those things, but they're clearly just trying to buy time. They, want, have to they also. want time for a bunch of reasons. They want they want time for for Young to snap out of this and prove them right. I think they want time for the purpose of contract stuff. You know, I'm not saying they're holding him down because of service time, but of course they think about these things. Well, um, can we can we talk about the service time real quick? So service time is 172 days equals 187. The season is 187. Anything between 172 and 187 counts as a full year of service time. Chris Bryant is the example that is often used as service time manipulation. The Cubs brought him up on the day after that lapsed so that they gained a full year of control over him. That's, the, that's what's the key here. It takes six years to to become a free agent. So that was April 16th that Chris Bryant came up. We are recording this on May 2nd. It's already passed. 
that that time is already passed. If they were manipulating his service time for the purpose of gaining another free agent year, they already got it because we're we're now out of that 172. So I know a lot of people are asking about that, and it, it is important to point out that we're, we're through that. If there's a service time manipulation here, it's super two, meaning earlier access to arbitration. However, that's not really a date a team can do anything but estimate. Mm-hmm. Mid-May, right? Well, yeah, it's mid-May-ish, but it depends on the class. So it was also the actions of the 29 other teams. And it's also Major League Service time. So you might go, well, look, it's looking like with this class, it's going to be around May 15th. It's going to be around May 20th. Well, all of a sudden, there's a rash of demotions to the minors in June, and all those guys now have less service time, and it cranks it up a little bit. Um, Tommy Edmond, John Jay, most recently fell just a few. I mean, I mean, John Day, Jay were going back more than a decade, but mm-hmm. um, f- fell short of service of Super Two. Tommy Edmond, most recently, just by days, but that was not a product of them massaging his service time because they brought him up and he stayed. You know, and, and Michael Walker is another example of a guy who they could have made a move with to get an extra year of service time. Now, his role was different towards the end, injuries and everything like that. They moved on. But they could have at any point in time had rationale to move him to the minors for just the briefest of times. And they would have been able to get an extra year before he went to free agency. They did not. So I get that people are asking questions about Gorman on that. And that's, that's something that was such a big topic during the lockout. But it's May 2nd. If they were going to play that game, he would have been up. I guess the season started a week late, so it would have been uh, we just passed that date. So now any time up, they already have that year. Right, but they could be part of the discussion could be could be potentially the Super 2 thing. Although it's there's just also hard to get time back now, too, right. based off how you play. Right. He could perform and make it academic, right? So he could just go out there gangbusters. It's, a, it's always a component to ignore it is to is to ignore the, the math and the, the CBA link gymnastics that happen everywhere sure. i don't think it's the reason i think it's part maybe of the discussion but the also thing too is this every time gorman has been promoted he's gone through a slump mm-hmm. and then he goes gets over it and he goes banshee mm-hmm. so there's i'm sure there's also some degree of that is like okay when the drumbeat is at its loudest and the the frustration with paul DeYoung is at its loudest right now do you bring him up and if he goes over 25 are they is he prepared for that are they prepared for that because that has been kind of his mo and it's not a bad thing he goes up he kind of takes a minute people go oh my god did they promote him too fast and then he settles in and does what he's doing now he it happened at spring training Mm -hmm. we saw it and and we wrote about how don't be alarmed by this this is kind of the trend Mm -hmm. so you better bring him up if there's never a perfect time, but you better bring him up at a time where you're not expecting him to be the savior of your offense. So this is a big part of the conversation, and it's, and it's one that's happening internally, is this notion that if he does come up and he struggles offensively, where does he play? And it, you know, when the Cardinals made the move, and we'll use some examples, with Colby Rasmus and Colton Wong. Now, Colton Wong went back to the minors, but the idea was they may struggle offensively, but they have a glove to keep them in the lineup to work through it. It goes back even further to Yadier Molina. They may struggle offensively, but this is a prospect who has the glove to keep them in the lineup, that constant place to be where he can be reliable in the field so that he stays in the lineup and works through it. 
the the question with Gorman is does second base need to get to that spot because then you know if it's DH and he's not hitting then he's not playing and that answers that question about how he they want him to play every day if he's up up here so if if he's not hitting can he play every day in at second can he be that reliable defensive player there and they do have to ask like what what does positioning mean that one of the questions that they are going to ask internally is what double plays are they giving up because of the way Tommy Edmond can respond to what Nolan Arenado tries to do and what that takes from the second baseman. Is Gorman ready to do that? Are his reactions, his range, not just in getting ground balls, but getting to the base like Tommy Edmond does to cover and then turn for Nolan Arenado? And that, that, that these are open questions, they, and, they, and he can improve and get up to game speed and perform there. But you, you hit on what they, what they have to ask themselves. If he comes up and struggles for a week offensively, struggles for two weeks offensively, is his glove enough to keep him in the lineup to work through it? It wouldn't seem to be based on the fact that he's only played second base for like two weeks. Right. I'm being facetious there, but and he's come a well, long. I mean, way. it's less than eighteen months. Right. Yeah. He's come a long way in a short amount of time. But you're talking about a defense on a, on a lot of teams. You wouldn't probably notice. But you're talking about a team that is supposed to be the best in baseball. In defense, Devil's Advocate says the Cardinals let a Gold Glove second baseman walk because they didn't want to pay him ten million dollars, and it turned out to work out okay for them because Tommy Edmond just said, "I'll win the Gold Glove here now." <laughs> right, I mean, right. Nobody was saying Tommy Edmond was a Gold Glove second baseman when he took that job. It no, was, can this will this be a defensive letdown? And I'm not saying Nolan Gorman's going to win a Gold Glove at second base. I'm just saying when the Cardinals want to make a defense risky play there, mm-hmm. they do it. Yeah. So there's an example. The other thing, and I think this is – maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think there is va- – okay, let's see this. Nolan Gorman is going to succeed or or be okay or not succeed in Major League Baseball because of his bat. He's going to be a middle right. infielder who hits you know a lot of home runs. That's what, he's, that's what he's supposed to be, a second or third baseman who hits a lot of home runs. And the bat is going to be why he's in the majors. There is probably something to be said for getting him up here to let him be a tag team component with a guy like Albert Pujols. Interesting. We're seeing out on the field during batting practice, helping guys, you know, with their swings and talking them through situations. You know, kind of similar to you know the Cardinals said at one point that yes, Kisner could be in Memphis logging reps, but he does get something out of managing a game along with Yadier Molina and being able to. Even when he wasn't playing, mm-hmm. you know, there's something to be said for watching Yadier Molina every single day do his thing, and I think Kisner would tell you that he's learned from that. Can the same thing be said for having Gorman around Albert Pujols sooner rather than later? Um, I don't know, but I don't. I, I think there's probably some validity to that discussion. Um, that uh, if he keeps if he keeps hitting home runs, home run or two every game he plays, then it. That's going to be a stronger talking point that works in his favor too. If he catches the team, for example, like if uh, they have 16 home runs now, if he has 16 home runs before they have a 17th, is that would that be would that be enough? Can I give Nolan Gorman some advice? There's got to be like a lumber hardware company in in Memphis. Have them ship a, a front like a front legitimate full size front door to John Mozeliak's house and have a boot print. Put your boot print in the middle of it. Wow, that would be epic. Yeah. 
That's what I would do. That's like Chris Bryant with the Adidas billboard outside of Wrigley Field, right? You know, a few days before he arrives, that you know they would just be like, they kick the door down. That would be that would be something. Fans start showing up to the Bush Stadium with. uh, with like t-shirts of doors just shattered doors just shattered or like yeah like like a door with a boot print on it like or a cleat stuck in it or something like, like that I, I dig it that'd be good that'd be good is i mean is what does dickerson is not exactly saying hey get rid of me he's mm-hmm. finding these like crafty creative Corey dickerson style ways to influence games in a good way yeah he's a unique designated hitter because he doesn't hit for power even though he said that was the plan. Right, he said I wanted it to be, but it has, hasn't been. He's like doing the stuff where he like hits balls that no one else could put a bat on and sprints and gets on, turns them into a double. Mm-hmm. So he's an interesting he's an interesting character. And I think that's kind of why the Cardinals are – I think that's kind of just why they're trying to buy time. I think they're – I think right now they're saying we've got all these options, we've got all these pressures, we've got all these things. And I think that what they're waiting for is something to make it more obvious. 11 home runs, 16-game hitting streak. Gorman's doing his part, but everyone else is being vague. And they're also challenging him. I mean, Ali Marmol said he's doing what we want, keep pushing. I mean, it's clearly a challenge. Hey, keep going. Mm -hmm. Hey, is this a a one-week thing? You're going to keep – like, it's not as – but they want him to keep doing that. That's a challenge to him. And it also – I mean, if the guys in the clubhouse don't know what's going on, then they should. They should all be understanding what's – pushing their way beneath them but i do think in some way it's a response to him not showcasing as much as he could in spring mm-hmm. the cardinals are trying to give him an extra little runway here to say okay they can't, they're moving they're moving the finish line on him a little bit because of how he did not perform in spring right. i also think and this goes back to the conversation about the offense and trying to find its identity and where is that coming from what what part of it is hitting instruction what part of it is hitting philosophy what part of it is hitting approach it's really worth noting that it's been a while since the cardinals had a homegrown offensive player arrive perform and remain dylan carlson is going through a stretch right now where he appears lost at the plate tyler o'neill took time and he was from outside the organization harrison bader has definitely improved as a hitter um and he's done so on the job i you know the late Oscar Tavares, we never got to see really grow into that role. So it's hard to know. But you think about the hitting prospects the Cardinals have now, headlined by Nolan Gorman, and you go, well, okay, what hitting prospects have come up, thundered, and stayed? It's a pregnant pause for a reason. So you got to keep that in mind, too, is what does this organization recognize what it has when it has it or does it move on and let somebody else discover it this has been the best podcast in baseball everybody no uh you can find ben frederickson's work at the st louis post dispatch stl today and at the new app stl pinch hits uh ben is also the host of eye of the tiger or eye on the man i messed it up didn't i tiger king His new Netflix series with Dave Matter is going to be good. Yep, Dave and I hanging out in Sedalia, Missouri with a bunch of wild cats. And and you feed them booches. 
<laughs> yeah, we ship it in from Columbia. <laughs> then we let them loose on the quad. We <laughs> nice. drive them up to Columbia and just let them roll. Just sort of roll. That's, that's good. Um, you can find all of Ben Fredrickson's work at stltoday.com. He also does inside pitch with fellow columnist Jeff Gordon. He does a chat every Thursday. In fact, I think he works. Tuesday. Wait, I said Thursday. I'm sorry. Inside pitch is Thursday. The chat is Tuesday, right? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I was getting to, I was going to give you a compliment and I messed it up. So I'm going to try again. I think he works 28 hours a day on Thursday because he has so much to do. And he's still coming off the high, the adrenaline rush of the Tuesday chat. You can find all of the Constant Cardinals coverage at stltoday.com and in the pages of the Post-Dispatch. Also check out the expanded minor league coverage at our new app, STL Pinch Hits, with Daniel Guerrero. He also has a podcast on there giving an update on the minor leagues. It has not just been the Nolan Gorman Weekly. There has been other performances, notably from lefty Zach Thompson and Matthew Libertor here recently in AAA. Lefties are looking good. Right. And then you have Moises Gomez there in AA, who also is putting on a power show in Springfield as part of the lineup there with Jordan Walker. So check that out at STL Pinch Hits. The best podcast in baseball is available wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes. Please rate and review the podcast. I do check those to see what direction we should take the podcast in. I know there was a big groundswell to bring back Ben Fredrickson, so you're welcome. That was me texting it. <laughs> was it? Okay. <laughs> Going to different iTunes accounts? Review on the podcast. More Fredrickson. Yeah. No. Bring on the branding of Ben. Yeah. Brand Fred. That's <laughs> Brand Flakes. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll talk to you soon. I'll uh, probably talk to you from San Francisco. Stay informed. Stay healthy. Thanks for listening.